This is the Public Record Podcast. I'm Ken Allen, editor of the Public Record, the business news weekly for the Coachella Valley. Our guest today is Dr. Jenna LeCount Heinley, CEO of HARC in Palm Desert. HARC stands for Health Assessment and Research for Communities. Uh, Jenna, tell us a little bit more about what HARC does. Um, HARC is a nonprofit that provides research and evaluation services related to health, wellness, and quality of life. I'm just going to call you Jenna. Yes, that's fine. And we're going to talk about the uh, Path of Life Ministry, which is a a, a homeless uh, uh, housing survey, I should say. Well, it's uh, it's actually a program evaluation that we've done. So um, Path of Life Ministries was contracted by CVAG to conduct what is called Coachella Valley Housing First or CV Housing First. And let's say who CVAG is. Ah, Yes. CVAG is the Coachella Valley Association of Governments, and when Roy's Desert Resource Center closed down, the thought was that they needed something to fill the gap, and preferably something that would uh, provide homelessness services in the West Valley, whereas most of the existing services are in Indio. So CVAG uh, issued a request for proposals and wanted to to look at doing something a little bit differently um, instead of just replacing Roy's. So instead of putting in uh, another emergency shelter, they went with this CV Housing First. And the idea behind Housing First is the idea that if you house somebody, they can address all of the other issues in their life, whether that be substance abuse, whether that be mental health issues, whether that be finding a job. The very first thing that needs to be filled is the issue of housing. We were really impressed, actually, um, by the quality of the data that they were already collecting. They uh, are mandated by the Department, U.S. Department of Health and Urban Development, or HUD, and they're mandated to collect data and put it in the Homelessness Management Information Systems, or HMIS. So this is a federal database. Everybody does it. But the, the forms that they fill out are actually very extensive. So their existing data uh, was very strong. We also designed a customized survey for Path of Life to use to capture some of the outcomes that weren't captured in the HMIS data. And so the report that we've recently released was uh, an evaluation of their very first year. And so how did they do with their their homelessness intervention and and management services in their first year, which was definitely a ramp up year. And what was their first year? So that was uh, fiscal years, July 1, 2017 to June 30th, 2018. Okay. Path of Life served 401 clients uh, in that first year. And again, this was definitely a ramp up year. They, they, I know, have already served more than that Mm -hmm. this partway into their second year. On average, the uh, clients, uh, the average age was 38. The oldest was 94, and the youngest was less than a year. So you really have the whole spectrum there. About half are Hispanic, uh, about half are female, and um, close to a third of them have a disability. Really? Wow. And the reason for that is really because um, of the way that Path of Life places people. So... All across the county, there's uh, what's called a CES, Coordinated Entry System. And this is whenever anybody interacts with somebody who is homeless, they um, fill out a vulnerability survey. And it's very, very extensive. And this places them, essentially, in the Coordinated Entry System in terms of priority for housing. And the Coordinated Entry System is managed by Riverside County um, DPSS, Department of uh, Public and Social Services. 
And so essentially what Path of Life is doing is placing the very most vulnerable people first. Most of the clients, 66%, came to CV Housing First from a homeless situation. About a third were coming from transitional housing, so maybe they were already in a system, um, or they were coming from a permanent housing situation and they were becoming homeless. They also had um, quite a few people who've been living in that situation for a long time. So again, this is because they're housing the most vulnerable first. They're housing the people who've been homeless for a year or more out of the past three years. Do they evaluate the skill level of these folks? Are they all um, unskilled folks or are there people of all skill ranges in this group? You know, I do not know the answer to that. Hmm. That would be a, be a interesting good question to know. for Path of Life. Yeah, Because we tend to think of, and it may be true that they're mostly unskilled folks, but there could very well be people with bachelor's degrees who have some other uh, disability, as you say, that mm-hmm. are this included in this group. Yeah, it's, um, you know, Path of Life offers career services, and so they do help um, once the people are in their program, they do help with that. So it's um, it's definitely a possibility. So how many are they able to serve? You said did, was that the four hundred, mm-hmm. or is they that the number they identified as being no, no, no. needing services? They served four hundred people in the first year. And how how many did you identify as needing services? All of them need services. But but I mean, are, there must be more than they're able to serve. I assume. Absolutely but we don't know exactly what that number is? No. Um, so anybody who who really comes to Path of Life or, or gets referred to them um, is put into the coordinated entry system. So if they can't help them and potentially there's a bed elsewhere for someone, um, they can refer, that sort of thing. But Path of Life is meant not to be that immediate uh, fix, mm-hmm. the way a shelter is. I see. But rather to be... Um, to to be this path to placement Hmm. so a lot of times so they have several programs in cv housing first um they do have emergency shelter they have one in riverside that they will um take people to if if that is what is a good fit for them they also have rapid rehousing which is a program that is meant to be for about two years a year to two years um that gets them placed quickly Mm -hmm. And those are apartments or houses um, that they have rented across the valley. I see. Um, They also have permanent supportive housing. And so this is for the people who will never be self-sufficient. And the idea with permanent supportive housing is that they stay in that that program indefinitely. You don't want anyone exiting from that program because these are the people um, who have serious mental illness who will never be able to be self-sustainable. Hmm. So those are in permanent supportive housing. They also have a very extensive uh, homelessness prevention program at Path of Life that um, was actually the majority of those 401 clients um, were served there. And that is the idea that uh, many people are just one emergency away from being homeless, right, right? right? They're living paycheck to paycheck and then the car breaks or... Um, and they can't get to work and they can't pay for exactly. it. Exactly. Right. And yeah. so Path of Life does homelessness prevention and helps to intervene, keep them from being evicted um, and work out solutions like that. And, wow. and they do have a fund for things like car repairs or, you know, maybe it's you need... Um, steel-toed boots to go to work and you can't afford them um you know things like that this 400 some odd uh, clients are they uh, what's the geographic uh, area this covers it's the whole coachella valley and even all the way out to blythe they do have uh, outreach in blythe 
So we had about uh, 48% were um, originated in the East Valley, mm-hmm. and then the other half were from the West Valley. So it really was a, a full spread across the So Coachella this Valley. doesn't go into the Inland Empire in Riverside? No, okay. no. It's just Coachella Valley and Blythe. So what was the most surprising finding of your study? Um, I don't know that, that it was surprising. Yeah. I think it was um, exciting that um, we looked at exit data. And so uh, when somebody enters the program, they complete an intake form. And when they leave the program, they do an an exit form. And now this is very preliminary because, like I said, many of the programs are meant to span more than a year. So they haven't exited yet. And they shouldn't have because they're still in the program as intended. And as you say, some are in permanently. And some are in, we hope, permanently. I mean, you can't force someone to stay. Sure. But... um, you certainly hope that they will be there permanently. So we had data from 242 people who did exit the program um, in this in this year, and we were able to compare um, their income at the beginning and their income at the end. Hmm. And when they first came to Path of Life, they were making less than $630 a month, which is absolutely yeah, very very much on the poverty side. Very much yeah. so. And by the time they exited, they were making about 1500 a month. Okay. Now, that's still very low. But it sounds more like a minimum wage kind of thing, right? And it's more than double what they were making sure. when they first came in. So that's that was really and exciting. And they're still getting housing assistance, which is the big expense for most people. You're um, not sure? No. If they exited, they are self, self-sufficient. Oh, they are self-sufficient. Okay. Yes. And so if they're still in the program, yes, they are still getting assistance. Did your study look at all at, at the housing situation in the Coachella Valley? No. Ours was strictly a program evaluation, but mm-hmm. there is, you know, it, our evaluation was for the Coachella Valley Homelessness Committee, and I know that they have looked into that seriously and and I've heard uh, from Path of Life that one of their biggest struggles is getting um, people to part- landlords to participate in the program because there is such a housing shortage here that they have you know no no empties no vacancies and they've got a wealth of people who want those apartments who are who look good on paper, right? Mm-hmm. They have good credit. They've never been evicted. And then Path of Life is asking them, well, would you please house this person who's been evicted twice? Um, and and it's a tough it's a tough sell. Right. So a lot of the work that they do goes towards those relationships with those landlords. Now, you also do, the HARC, what I'm talking about, does the triennial health assessment survey. Is there anything about our housing situation here in the Valley for the working class folks like this that you can share with us? Well, we've just um, we've just added a question that I think will be really interesting. And so the data isn't there yet, but we will have it um, in a year or so. And you're coming up on the new survey. Every yes. three years you do a survey, the Triennial Health Assessment Survey for the Coachella Valley. And 2019 is the new survey. And the results will be out for that, when do you think? January 2020. 2020, so we're mm-hmm. still about a year away. Mm-hmm. So the new question is what? The new question is, um, asking uh, participants to define their homelessness, their their housing situation, whether they have a secure place to live and they feel comfortable with it, whether they are one of those people right on the border, mm-hmm. they're you know one paycheck away, or whether they do not have a secure place to live at this moment in time. And I think that'll be really interesting because our, our phone calls for the survey go out on cell phones and landlines, both, right. and the majority are cell phones. So 
it could easily capture people who are don't actually have a home but can take the survey and can take the call. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how many people feel housing insecure uh, when we get that data. You might even find some interesting things out like how many people are living in cars or mm-hmm. tents or something of that nature because we know that goes on in many cities here in California where uh, even the Silicon Valley where you would think the wages are quite high, many people are living in their cars because they simply can't afford the rents in those communities. Yeah, um, it, it is definitely very interesting. One of the things that we've learned in doing this research is that there's, of course, different definitions of what is homeless. Right. Everyone agrees that if you're living in your car or a tent or a place not meant for human habitation, that is homeless. Right. But the department, a U.S. Uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, they define it as um, if you are essentially couch surfing, that is not technically defined as homeless, whereas the school districts do define that as homeless. So, Isn't that interesting? So the, the school district's numbers of how many students are homeless is quite a bit higher than estimates that's why you don't see this matchup between HUD uh-huh. and, and the schools the schools you must find that a lot when you're using the secondary data that you, it doesn't make any sense and then you look more deeply and you find out the definitions are very different yes it's <coughs> very very rarely apples to apples it's almost <laughs> always apples to oranges and trying to make some parallels but it's almost like they're trying to hide what the data really means yeah yeah, yeah. and you know it's it's sort of um it actually makes sense because if you think about it, the school is concerned with the child's stability right. and, and their ability to focus in class. And so couch surfing does have a big impact on that. And are you doing a follow-up survey at some point? Well, that'll be up to CVAG. Mm-hmm. Um, Path of Life is continuing to collect this data, and, and I think that's wonderful. And uh, hopefully they will uh, contract with us once more to uh, do another evaluation and I think that's really important because so many of the programs are designed to be long term is that this first year, you know, it was really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and we really want to see the long term uh, after these people have been in the program for a year, for two years, how they are progressing. And that's not captured in there currently. So I, I do hope that we will get another contract to to do this data analysis again. It's been so informative. Everyone has really Um, expressed a very vested interest in making sure that this is the right way to do things, including Path of Life. They're so open to um, evaluation. They said, you know, if this isn't working, we should stop and do something that is working. Right, and try something new. Exactly. Um, So everybody is very invested in making sure that these dollars are spent on something that's effective because, you know, you don't want to just throw money down a hole and hope it helps. Right. So I think think there will be uh, an additional interest in in more um, data analysis in the future, and I hope that we can be a part of that. And if you get uh, to do it again, what would you like to ask next time you didn't ask this time? Well, our customized survey, I think, is really helpful, but we were only able to collect data from about 25 people, and they were nearly all in the homelessness prevention program. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to see that data from all participants rather than just homelessness prevention. Some of the questions on there really go to the idea of cost, right? Is that some of these individuals are very high cost um, to society because they're using the ER, they're getting ambulance rides, they're uh, getting arrested, their interactions mm. with police. 
And we ask them to document that and then document that since they've been in the program. So we want to be able to d illustrate that drop, mm -hmm. presumably, <laughs> that we see when um, they actually have a usual source of care now and they're housed so they don't have to interact with the police. And so we want to demonstrate the cost savings that that has for our communities as a whole. And um, right now the data is too small. Uh, the data from that first year, mm. they only had about three months of using this custom survey, and so it was too small to really make those extrapolations. So do you know out of the 400 in the original group, how many had some kind of engagement with the police? No, because that is not captured in HMIS. It's mm. only captured in our custom yeah. survey, um, which is why we created the custom survey, right, is to right. answer some of those gaps. Uh, and we have a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about um, your triennial uh, health assessment survey that you do. What's the genesis of that and what's coming up in 2019? So uh, HARC was really created for this triennial survey because the idea was Riverside County is so huge and so broad. Um, we've got a lot of people and a lot of geography, you know, a lot of miles. Right. That um, We probably should mention that when the Census Bureau does data collection, they kind of lump the whole Inland Empire into uh, the Coachella Valley, um, which would include, I think, Ontario, Riverside, San Bernardino County, which are vast areas. And what happens on the other side of the pass there is very different than what happens here in the Coachella Valley. It's very much a bedroom community in San Bernardino Riverside for better jobs in Orange County and L.A. And people are commuting because the housing is cheaper. And, and they, if they have families, they have, you know, suburban, more of a suburban lifestyle uh, in those areas. So here in the Coachella Valley, we're very different. It's a very different demographic, more, more skewed toward the older folks, I believe. Uh, it's a seasonal economy because it's very impacted by tourism and snowbirds coming in and then leaving for uh, a number of months in the summertime. So the triennial survey really kind of drills down to the health assessment of the actual Coachella Valley, which is data nobody else has, right? Right. And and so that's why Hark was formed, was the idea was, well, you've got great county-level data, but that's not telling our story. Exactly. And that's not documenting our needs. And so the idea was Hark would be formed to tell that story and to gather that data. And so every three years, we do this survey of the health and the needs of the Coachella Valley. We've done it uh, in 2007, 10. 2013 and 2016 so we've done it four times to date we've got our fifth one coming up we'll be doing um, telephone calls uh, randomly so anybody anybody with a phone in the Coachella Valley uh, has an equal chance of participating we do uh, close to 80 90,000 calls to get our wow. completed sample so we'll be doing calls from January all the way to July and then really crunching those numbers and putting them back in in a format that's digestible and easy to understand and giving that back to the community. I think too often uh, surveys come and they want you to participate, they take your information, and then you never hear about it again. And that is not what we do. And what's new coming up? Anything special you're going to test this, this next round? Yeah, that's a, a very good question. Uh, we do change the survey question slightly each cycle um, based on what our community says. Hey, I really need to know XYZ and I can't find it anywhere else. And that's an important part because we're not into duplicating the wheel. Mm -hmm. We don't want, you know, if, if this data exists elsewhere, wonderful. We don't need to collect it. Right. 
But the survey is long enough as it is. The right? survey is very <laughs> long. Yes. Uh, at, at present, we managed to cut it down significantly. It's 22 minutes long, mm-hmm. on average. Um, you know, some people it's shorter. But um, it's it's. Yeah, a, do you live in the Coachella Valley? No. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, We've added some interesting ones about barriers on the child survey, about what keeps you from getting care for the child mm. that I think will be interesting. And your survey is quite comprehensive on children. Yes, yeah. yes. And we've added, um, we always had a question on the child survey, do you think your child has a safe place to play outside? Mm. Because obviously that impacts um, obesity, right? Mm-hmm. If they can't play outside, that's that's really limiting. But we added one onto the adult survey now that's sort of a a parallel that's, do you feel that you have a safe place to walk or bike or hike in your neighborhood? Um, Because that has impact on them as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm interested to see if that, um, how that changes with the development of CV Link whether people feel that they have more of a safe environment. And a lot of bike paths and things cities have added in the last three years. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll have you on again soon. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. You can find out more about what HARC is involved with at www.harcdata.org. I'm Ken Allen. This is the Public Record Podcast. Mm-hmm.